No fafflers, no. So here's the thing. Um, my housekeepers are here. They were supposed to come at 10.30. So legit, y'all are in my bedroom. My cat's right here. My dog's here. We're all in my bed. Jesus. I'd hate to ask you what's in the nightstand. <laughs> it's a mess. I'll tell you that. Pfeffers, are you sitting on my headphones? <laughs> the on a scale so of one to the best. <laughs> what is this for you guys so far? The most best. <laughs> the best episode ever right now. Hi friends, welcome to Take Me to Coffee. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a mentorship podcast for the digital age. This is one for the doers, the builders, the people like us who are making things from the ground up. From your shoes, from the ground, from underneath the ground a little bit, the seed that gets planted, this is the best part of a coffee date, is getting to know someone personally who has been down the road before you. So this is your weekly chance to pick the brains of some super smart people. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration. How you doing today, Andrew? I'm really good. I love it when we read the ellipses on this, you know, like we're really, we're really people who understand grammar and. <laughs> I don't think I've ever self-identified that way. <laughs> really? You never, never have done that? Never? Uh, like you're reading no. a piece of copy, you're reading a book or something, you're just kind of like, God, man, I'm, I really understand what these commas and what these ellipses and like what the exclamation point means. Because I feel like people lose that nowadays. Here's an opportunity uh, for me to highlight one of my favorite brands that could definitely sponsor this podcast. I actually use a plugin called Grammarly that I love, and it catches well, I was all just of my. That the other day, that's mm-hmm. one of the the Hulu. The, if you've heard about on our podcast before, that's one of the things I've just talked about was all these commercials that happen on Hulu. Oh, but it's one of the commercials is Grammarly, and they have like a really cool commercial for. Uh, being able to type properly and being able to because it's a lost art nowadays and grammar totally. is like really making huge strides in uh, keeping people honest in their grammar. Yeah, I do like I do a lot of writing and sometimes that's for like short form narrative stuff on medium. Sometimes it's scripts for videos. Sometimes it's speeches for really inspiring people. And sometimes it's just for our blog that we have. Shout out to our blog. Check it out. TMTCpodcast.com. But I do a lot of writing and I actually Grammarly really has helped improve all of that writing in, in some really interesting ways so shout out to grammarly tagged in the show notes we love you come hang out with us on tm2c podcast wouldn't it be grammarly wouldn't it be cool to interview whomever built that tool i would love to hear their story yo get at us if you listen to this podcast or if anybody knows anybody anything about grammarly or whatever like I know we can probably find out, but I'm Google. too lazy to go look at. Yeah, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> uh, what if it's like somebody from Merriam-Webster? What if it's actually somebody from like a a touted source? That'd of, be smart, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, God. although I feel like it's some like 16 year old kid that was like, "Fuck this!" Trying to always remember if it's lie, lay, <laughs> lies. You know, <laughs> I just right, want something like, to tell me. Does the comma go here or does it go? Is this a semicolon <gasps> or a colon? Oh, like that's the oh shit. my I'm god! Like, what the fuck? Oh my God, I was working on something with our uh, my communications director for Broadway Unlocked, uh, mm-hmm. written something, speaking yeah. of, and she like did a bunch of edits and she was like, oh, and, and you need to take out the, or put in a comma after and in a series. And I was like, um, would it drive you crazy if I don't do that? Because technically both ways are correct. You can have the comma or you can not have the comma. And I was taught to not have the comma in the third thing in the series where the and is. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but I have like a, 
a very like militant adherence to no comma after uh the third right the, or before the, the third the thing in the series slapped your hand when yeah you put the comma that's really weird so i guess to bring it all back i suppose maybe i do identify as a grammarian is that a thing grammarian yeah absolutely grammarian so yeah. yeah that makes sense I get that. Great. Marion, the librarian, the grammarian. Oh, grammarian, the librarian. That's a good, that would be a good spoof video. Marion, the librarian, also the grammarian. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be really funny. the librarian. You were like the, uh, God, who who played that in the Music Man movie? That played Marion? Shirley Jones. So Shirley Jones. So Shirley Jones, you you play her. I'll play Robert Preston. (laughs) I'll do my best Robert Preston impersonation. And speak, sing the oh my shit. God, speak, so sing good. the shit out of some stuff. We'll make that oh my God. For, for Grammarly. We'll make that for Grammarly and we'll see if they'll uh, they'll come on our podcast. I think it's fucking hilarious. Oh my God, it'd be amazing. <laughs> you know who else can be in that uh, video with us who is so funny and uh, an amazing actor? Oh my God. Dana Powell? Yeah! Yes. Is it Dana Powell from Modern Family? Yes, yes. Cam's sister? Oh my yes. God. I'm so excited. Uh. I'm so excited. <laughs> She'd be great. I'd love to recast her as like uh, oh, God. Uh, the, the Buddy Hackett role. The Shapoopy guy? Yes. Oh, my God. Her singing Shapoopy would blow oh my, my God, fucking mind. Oh, my God. That'd be so good. Are you kidding oh me? Now we just recast all of Music Man <laughs> with our favorite people in the For world. For our grammar spoof video. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. Before we get on to talk about our amazing uh, guest, Dana Powell, I'm saying it here. This week's blog, which comes out on Wednesdays, is going to be a spec script for <laughs> Grammarian the Librarian. <laughs> Just like a treatment, like a little tiny one-pager, yeah, yeah. not the whole right, thing, right, right. but yep. that's the blog this week, so go over and check that out. <laughs> Y'all, so let's talk about Dana Dana Powell here for a second. If you don't know her, first of all, you just you must go follow her and not just because she's an amazing actress and like one of the funniest people we know. She was in Bridesmaids. She's on Modern Family. She was on Veep for a long time. But also because her story that hasn't stopped, that continues to today of the ways in which she has taken all of the no's in her life and karate chopped them <laughs> through doors is so inspiring for anybody that's trying to make it in the entertainment business. And and I know that a lot of people have those stories, but I think hers in particular is like, it's just, she's an awesome person to follow and gain inspiration from she's absolutely brilliant and now i've got the image in my head of her dressed as some kind of a ninja (laughs) taking throwing stars that are nose and fucking throwing them at doors also another spoof video wait but wait wait she's in the library and she's throwing like apostrophes and like she comes yeah. in and it's just like nose and she's <laughs> knocking down all these doors. Oh my God. And everybody's so like, great. why is there a ninja in the music, man? You're like, you know what? That's Dana she's Powell. About ready to sing Shapoopy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so serious. It's so good. But we started this episode and she was like, you know, we kind of have some, you know, we didn't have any technical difficulties or anything, but we were just kind of figuring out like how we like, we want to play this. And she goes, um, I'm going to do this, uh, you guys. Like, the genius that is Dana Powell, live from her bedroom, <laughs> laid up in her bedroom with twinkly lights and this wrought iron headboard, and it's, like, the funniest thing. <laughs> and her she... cat yowling in the background. <laughs> the way that she has the, the, f- the familial kinship she has with this cat <laughs> is real. And this is what, like, is, it speaks to her personality and her, like, her funny is because she really thinks that this cat might be a person. There's and a real is. through line here with these people because Christina Anthony just flat out did the entire podcast episode from her bathroom her floor. Bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Dana did it in her bed with her cat. 
Mark Fisher just absolutely did not have pants on. A hundred percent no pants. Nope. His wife in the back. His wife in the background. Like no, she she was like, hey, we were like, yeah. hey, how are you? That's my favorite thing because when we set out to make this podcast, we were like, mentorship podcasts are way too fucking fancy. Like it's nice, and I know everybody's got to be fancy, yeah. but like also we live in the real world. We're just normal people who are just trying to fucking get smarter so we can fucking do better at the things we want to make. And sometimes yeah. we sit on the bathroom floor and make a podcast. You know, right. doesn't mean we can't like learn using, and that's a like again the doers the builders the people from the ground up even that if that's the cold bathroom tile you <laughs> will find a way to that. get it done you will find <laughs> a way to get it done right like <laughs> if you're so somebody true. who's fastidious and you are someone who is ready to like get the job done and you have an idea and you have a plan and you need a little bit of help like you got to start from the beginning and where is that the cold bathroom tile sometimes that's exactly right and this episode Dana tells some really good stories about like her survival jobs that she slogged through when she first got to LA what she yeah. did to keep herself busy and which is exactly what you're talking about Andrew so if you guys want to hear more about this episode and other episodes don't forget head to Twitter and follow us at TM2C podcast to leave us a video ask question for an upcoming guest we hope you enjoyed this episode of take me to coffee with the unparalleled uncompromising genius Dana Powell okay, I'm trying to fix this you guys stupid I love this, this so much the right most now janky thing I've ever done in my life that can't be true it's pretty close you guys that's not true you were interviewed by 417 magazine it you this can't be the worst <laughs> no offense 417 I love you I love you <laughs> Is this recording? I oh, hope we are. Yes, God, yes. I... we are live. We are live. Oh my God. I'm gonna I'm gonna be laughing this whole fucking episode. I already know it. <laughs> okay, here you are. Oh my god. I feel like this is this is certainly going to be the blind leading the blind in this next hour of chatting. <laughs> mm, I would say so. <laughs> You're the experienced podcaster, Dana. I know. Well, clearly. I feel like I just ran around my whole house with you guys on screen with me going oh god yeah where is this oh man what's happening oh and then it all ended up in your lap in my lap in my boudoir in my boudoir oh. yeah. dana is it is it pronounced powell <laughs> no i'm not that bougie it's oh, okay. pronounced powell <laughs> okay good i didn't know with the yeah. wrought iron headboard in la i didn't know if you changed it yet with the lights with the little fairy lights on it really exciting lady it could be your last name for your non-equity name like mine mine is messica danderson which i positive oh. no would ever know <laughs> wow that's a good one so yours is just powell except for it's spelled the same so they'll probably just say dana powell yes. and you'll go yes. no 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 it's no powell. no powell <laughs> I'm going to say it in a deeper register than my voice, too. Puel. But Dana's normal, and then Puel. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dana. Puel. <laughs> that typifies me right there. Booked it really it. does. Genius. Oh, speaking of booking things, your career so far is one of my favorites. Um, Thank you. What's one of your favorite things? I'm not going to talk about Modern Family. I don't want to talk about that shit. I want to talk about, like... What is something that you've done in LA that's not cleaning toilets or waiting tables that you consider <laughs> your first your first job? That's my main question I want from you. When I first got here, I temped for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And then I worked for a company out of a man's house in the basement of his house in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> I have had some of the weirdest jobs. Do you have any stories from that? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he was very one. L.A. Uh, his wife was um, an agent. <laughs> They're still around. I should be very careful. But um, I remember I had to park at the bottom of the mountain because his wife didn't want the employees parking up at the top oh, of the mountain. And there I was, was more like, than you? Yes, there were four of us. So you walked the mountain, you walked up the hills. Yes, but I was really mad about it. And I said, I didn't feel safe doing it because it was dark out when I left. And he goes, well, Dana, you live in LA now. You have to lock your doors. And it infuriated me so much. Like I was some cow bumpkin from, from the woods. I said to him, oh, well, I know that, Richard. I'm sorry. I wasn't talking about leaving my chaw out in the front seat. <laughs> and then my girlfriend at my job pulled me aside and said, you need to come in my office and be quiet for a little bit because you're going to get fired. <laughs> From my your main, first temp job. My main yeah. question yeah. about that is what the fuck does locking your doors have to do with being worried about being eaten by a coyote on the walk That's down the exactly- fucking mountain? Okay, thank you, Jessica, for knowing L.A., because he had just been yelling about how the coyotes try and lure his dog out into the field. And I was like, so it's not cool for your dog to be outside, but Dana can walk up and down the mountain all she wants. But most snakes also hunt at night. Is that true? Yes. Their feeding hours are when you're getting off of work. You could have been bitten. I Did you even listen, know you were in so much danger? No, I had no clue, but I was mad about it. Because you were in L.A. and I'm in that mindset now. Yeah. I'm safe in L.A. Yeah, yeah. If you would have had that country bumpkin, actual country bumpkin mindset, you might have, God knows you'd have been on your you know, high alert. Oh, man, you guys, I can be so successful in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have a um, question. That's brilliant. That's I have it. a yeah. question since those people are still around. What was the thing yeah. that was that worked really well for you about that job? Like, what was the, you know, thing that made it worth it? <laughs> nothing? It <laughs> was nothing. consistent. <laughs> it was uh, consistent. Yes. I, I think it was the kind of job that, you know, the, the, there are those people out there. It's sort of a symbiotic relationship where they don't want to, like, provide insurance or hire people like a real company. But they'll mm-hmm. hire newbies, and the newbies are like, well, I'm still new, and, and I want a job that I might be able to quit if I get lucky and make the dream. So it kind of works out. <laughs> right. So, so no real attachment, but, you know, it's kind of like a casual, like you're casually dating. Uh, yes, exactly. And sometimes they don't work out. Like the guy that I went to his house at 7 o'clock at night in Santa Monica without knowing him to interview. And then I worked for him for a week and I cleaned his room, which probably hadn't been cleaned in seven or eight years. I washed his laundry and didn't know how to use a laundromat. And then he asked me to cut down a tree in my purse. But you knew how to do that. I don't know how to do laundry, but I knew how to cut down a tree. I fucking jumped at it. I cried while I did it. I was like, this is not why I moved here. God, that's a sketch if I've ever heard of one. I can not believe he made me cut down the tree. It was an apartment building. He didn't own that tree. Did that's you not your down? tree. Did no. you cut it down with a saw or a chainsaw? Yeah. No, you... it was a small tree. So it was like. It was a handsaw. Yes, it was a handsaw. And I was crying <laughs> oh my in my pearls. But you guys want no. to know what the best revenge no. of that was? Of course, after that week, he never called me again. <laughs> but the <laughs> again, best part like a was, torrid relationship. Yes. So I was on my third day of cleaning his bedroom, and I booked my very first job. And he said, "What? 
you booked a job already? And I said, well, it's not already. I've been here four years. But yes, yes, I'm really excited. He goes, how did you do this? Like, he was so mad at me. It's like, you're supposed to be in the basement in chains. How dare yes. you leave my house and audition? Yeah, you guys, how he dare never... you? I've hired you for the week. He never let me clean his room again after that. That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. (laughs) This is the thing that I don't understand. I want to know how you did it, Dana. Like I, when I was having survival jobs, I would like get myself into these situations where, again, I was set to be short term, but I would be able to like build things for people and help them improve their businesses in some way, even if I was like a $10 an hour temp. And the first time someone in that role asked me to order their fucking makeup from Sephora. I'm not kidding you. I cried. I cried. I went to the COO and said, I'm so sorry. I think if this is what you want me to do, the job's not for me. Yeah. I never had that capacity. Like if someone had been like clean my fucking room, I Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, I was washing this man's underwear and dirty socks. Oh fuck. I remember one time I was assisting somebody and I went to pick up um a Christmas present for Joey Lawrence. You know who uh, he is? Yay. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Exactly. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I went, <laughs> he had to get a different present than everybody else. And I went to this store to pick up this <laughs> insanely expensive denim shirt. And I came back and my boss was like, where's the ribbon? And I was like, what ribbon? They didn't give me a ribbon. She goes, drive back right now and get the ribbon with the name of the. It was some super expensive store. Had to have the ribbon. I had to drive all the way back to Beverly Hills and get a ribbon for Joey oh, Lawrence's present. God, that's so weird. Which, yeah. if you're listening and you've never been to Los Angeles, where were you? Where were you driving? Oh, God. I was at Warner Brothers in uh, Burbank. Burbank? Yep. That's the rest yep. of your life. Like, Dana oh, was just it asked was to hours. spend the rest of her life. <laughs> it was hours. That's yeah. ridiculous. For a ribbon. <laughs> I'm telling mm-hmm. you. And Target has some really good ribbons. Yeah, right? They just don't say the name of that store. They don't. Yeah, right. I should have just taken a big black magic marker and wrote it on there. (laughs) That would have been a really special gift. And he's like, oh, this is from uh, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) I'm going to do that all episode. You said Joey Lawrence. All I could do. Okay, yep. so now now that you're successful, when people when you people take you to coffee and ask for your advice about uh-huh. survival jobs, what do you tell them? <laughs> I tell them, honest to God, like think of something that you love and figure out how you can make that your living outside of acting. So like I had a lot of office jobs that I was very bad at and at some point <laughs> like lost my mind over. But um then I also I started nannying because I knew I loved kids and that was flexible. And I had got tons of work that way. And I was also, I made jewelry to sell in a really fancy boutique. Um, so like um, semi-precious handmade jewelry, uh, wire wrapping in stones and things like that. And oh I made, my God. Yeah. And I made pretty good with all of that. And then coaching and teaching improv. And, you know, I always say, you guys, my cat wants out of my room. This is insanity. <laughs> I, this is the most Feffers unprofessional. Stay. This is the un, most unprofessional <laughs> interview I've ever given, and I apologize profusely. Daphne, knock it off. She's oh, so you've got two cats, Pfeffers and Daphne? Well, I call Daphne Pfeffers. Oh. It's her nickname. But if I'm being honest, I have three cats, a dog, and a lizard. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have time, but we need to make time. Emily, can we make time for that? 
<laughs> so anyway, I always say Los Angeles is a place of constant opportunity and hope. So if you're meant to be here, she will take care of you. There is always a way to make a living here. Always, always, always. And it doesn't have to be I something you hate. I am obsessed with that. Can we talk now? I want to get to Pfeffers. <laughs> I want to get to how you got your start in this business. And I was reading recently uh, about you in a production of Fiddler. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Is that how you got your start in the business? Is that <laughs> have you always wanted to be an actress and an improv artist? Or no, I was very, very, very shy. I was in Fiddler. No. Yes, very. I was in Fiddler <laughs> on the Roof because my mom made me audition every single day after it was already cast and go back and ask them, did anybody drop out? And finally, the choir director said, just start coming to rehearsals. Like she just felt bad for me. And so I had one line and there's a videotape. That's how old I am. <clears throat> there's a VHS of it somewhere. And when it gets to my line, you hear me go, and the camera like swings back and forth. <laughs> and I said it so fast, they couldn't find me. They never, I'm not even in it. Like they just go, woof, woof, and like you can't find me. Were you, did you know at that point that you were going to be like a true character um, driven actress? And you were like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to create a character. I'm going to create a name for her. She might not have one. <laughs> what was that? Do you remember the name that you gave yourself nope. and, and, and what the line was? No, I just. Do you remember the line yeah, in the musical? Yeah, it was some, it was a, Daphne, honest to God, stop it or I'm going to have to throw something at you. Soft. That's not the line. That's okay. not in Fiddler. <laughs> it was something like this. Tevia, Tevia, model's sister loves something. There was Tevia and model. I know that in the line. Uh huh. And I mm -hmm. said Tevia twice. And then it was like, model. And it was done. <laughs> How'd you feel about your mom making you do that? Was it like oh, a I was thing angry. that you. Angry. It was humiliating and I didn't want it. And I, you know, was like, this is dumb. I, I felt stupid. And then I was like, oh, I kind of like this. So she said, why don't you try and get into drama? And so I did. That's when I realized I was a character actress. This was something I loved. So I realized I wanted to play some leads in high school because I because I guess I kind of knew somewhere in my brain that wasn't ever going to happen in real life. And I think at mm -hmm. that point, I wasn't even sure if that was something possible to do in real life. I really just enjoyed myself. I didn't get leads because that's just not who I am. But I did realize that I wanted to go to school for it. So like college. At such a young age? Yes. I wanted to go oh, for theater. Oh, you got the bug. Yes. Okay, yeah. So my parents were like, mm, that's kind of a dream. You're going to have to pay for that yourself, you know? So I did. Wow. I, I worked at a yeah. factory. I worked my way through school. I sometimes, in the summer, I would have three jobs, work 91 hours a week to try and get myself through school. Of a fact, a factory. Yeah, I worked at a factory for several years. Uh, can we name this factory? Like, did you make shoes? Were you no? I like, made punching denim rivets into jeans. What were you doing? Oh my god, I'm getting ready to blow your mind because you're gonna be like, how did I this stupid wait. girl do that? You cut down a tree. I made circuit boards for companies like Motorola and NASA. I assembled. You circuit made boards. motherboards. Yes, I did. 
You with a soldering iron and a small monocle? Yes. like I worked in assembly to begin with, and then I did a little bit of soldering because my grandmother worked in the soldering room. And then I- Of course she did. And then I transferred to quality assurance where I was running electricity through the boards to make sure that they were assembled correctly. Mm-hmm. And one time I touched a board and I blew a chunk out of my pinky. Can we see it? It's, has it, it, has it, it since healed? Back. It's since healed. Okay, yeah. good. It grew well, back? The, it was just a chunk out of the middle of my... I'm a lizard. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. good. All right. Yeah, and I was going to say like a newt or some kind of a <laughs> uh, salamander. You okay, guys, I don't great. understand. You can't just... It was just a chunk out of your finger? Yeah, because I touched the board with my right hand, and the electricity went through my body and shot out my pinky. Exited what? your left pinky? Yes. Or your right pinky? My left pinky. I touched it with my Holy right shit. hand and it went through my body and came out here. That's how electricity works. Yeah. When you're not grounded, yeah. when you're not grounded. I wasn't grounded. There's a, there's a rule. Little did we know that Dana Powell would give us electricity and science <laughs> lessons today on this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know what? I actually think that this, this is perfect right here for our first question, okay, honestly, yeah. because I, I think that we're ready because of that story right there is going to lead us right into this question. And life experience does give us what we need. It does. When you're starting a new project, what is the most challenging part of getting into a role? Um, I think that for me, when you're auditioning, you're already doing some of that work. You're already starting to realize who your character is, kind of decide you want to give them obviously a little bit of what they're looking for, but also make it very customized to you. So I do a lot of that work before my audition. And that's how I think I've been so successful because I don't necessarily do um, what everybody else does. In fact, I never do. And a lot of casting directors will say to me, I always know when you come in, you're going to give a read unlike anybody else. And I don't change the meaning of the author's words. I just make it specific to Dana Powell by using noises or hand gestures or a body, a body characteristic. You know, I once booked a role. I was on a show called Clipped with Ashley Tisdale. And one of the reasons I booked the role is that we were playing four sisters and we all had to audition together. And if you know about auditioning with other people, sometimes that's difficult to be seen. And um, (laughs) all I did was I said my lines I was supposed to. And at the end of the scene, they were all like, yay. And I went, all right. (laughs) Just (laughs) like that. I booked it. And that was a running theme throughout the show. Every episode, they tried to find a way to get me to go. Being yourself is... It sounds crazy. (laughs) The best thing you can be, right? I think that's the reason that I have been so blessed to work so much. A lot of people go to acting classes and coaches and things, and I am so for that if that's how your process is. But I've told my manager before for testing for things that I didn't want to work with a coach because sometimes they try to do what's right, and I don't know that I ever do what's right. But I always do, Dana. But I think that's what makes you successful. Do you. That's a running theme that we have on this podcast is do you. Do me. Do it's me. do me. It's I'm going to do me. me. Yeah, because nobody's going to do it like you. 
There's no other you, exactly. you know, and that's what we're selling. And do you believe that like, you know, soldering circuit boards and getting electrocuted, like, like influence some of that experience? Oh so like everything in life is experience, right? Yes. And especially because I do improv. So I worked at a bingo hall. I worked at a flower shop. I worked for the U.S. Census Fuck Board. You. Like I have a plethora of jobs that I just pull from when I do characters, when I write, yeah. because I have a ton of life experience. Yes. And it wasn't all good, but it's it makes for great, great characters. Absolutely. So that's a lot of my beginning process for working on a character, for sure. You know what? Is it going to be Peppers. super weird if I let this cat out of my room? Nope. Nope. You just have to tell us what you're doing <laughs> yeah. while you're doing it. I'm going it. to. And then yep. there's going to be all that same ruckus of me trying to get back on the bed. I oh, This is It's bonker. all, it's gold. It's fucking gold is what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. It looks it looks like the camera it okay. would be so smart is on your mic stand so that it's what is that camera that was in like um Requiem for a Dream that's on the Segway oh, steady cam? Well, no no no, not on not a steady cam on a person, but when they mount it on the thing yeah, it's you're still traveling a cam. on. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like a solo, like a solo cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you're doing. <laughs> Do we see what's happening? Oh Do you listen to this? Oh no, my mic. Okay. Can you, can you just look for it really quick? Yeah. I want to know what this rig is now. I had it sitting on this Taco Bell box and it just crunched. Okay. Did you Taco say Taco Bell, Bell box? box? Yeah, so. Do you just have some leftover Taco Bell box at the house that you've mm-hmm. that you've used as a mic stand yeah. now? Well, I tried, Wait. but I crushed it. Okay. So now I'm- Emily just messaged me. <laughs> is it really called a Snoracam? Snoracam? Oh. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I'm going to really? look that up afterwards. Oh, that's weird. Cool. Learning all kinds of new right. things up here. Dana. Go ahead, Emily. Wait, oh. wait. According what? to Wikipedia, a snorri cam is also a chest cam, body mount camera, body cam, or body mount in filmmaking. Rigged to the body of the actor. I like that. They use that a lot That's in uh, reality TV. Like, you know, it's an amazing race and things yeah. like that. They'll have like a their own body right. cam mounted to them with a the GoPro on it. That's so sick. Yeah. Have you ever worked with a rig like that, Dana? No, I haven't. Doing a lot of your extensive, uh, you know, leaps and jumps you and know things, what? your stunt you woman work? I think you're, d- you're making a joke. On Modern Family, I have done so many stunt things that it's insane. <laughs> tell, tell me that story. I want to know those stories. I have shoved poor little Aubrey like into a kitchen and she had to be caught by people. <laughs> I've ran from a German shepherd for real. Like that episode where I trained police dogs to get out of prison early. Yeah. They When we were shooting yeah. that, I had a real dog suit on and those those dogs are trained that – if someone is in that suit, they are edible. Like you can go after them. So as soon as I got, I came out in that suit, that dog saw me. He could not sit still. He was like, <laughs> like he just wanted to eat me. <laughs> so the first time they didn't let him bark. And then they were like, we're going to let him bark at you, but he's going to be held. Don't worry about it. But you guys are all going to run together. That dog started barking and the terror I felt I can't even explain to you. Like people were falling. Everything captured on camera was absolutely real. So real that I had to go back in and do ADR because they said it sounded like I was being murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is brilliant. 
when we were shooting that day, people literally were rolling on the ground laughing. They were like, we have never seen anything like that in all of our years here. Like, people were dying. Oh, my God. That is so brilliant. <laughs> and I, so I did, brilliant. like, in the show, they have a stunt person that gets attacked. But that suit weighs, like, 100 pounds. So I was trying my hardest to literally run for my life and then just tumbled like Humpty Dumpty. Like, it was just creepy. Did you feel like Ralphie's little brother and yes, story when you were like nah. absolutely they had to help me up everything yeah that's so great what, oh my what's God. the weight on that what what makes the weight on that suit is it just like the padding so that the dog can eat you i don't understand I don't, that's what it is yeah i don't know if it's sand or what but it's so heavy and that way they can't bite through to your skin oh, so man. they say i didn't want to test it <laughs> oh see i would have been the one the girl who really did it her whole upper thigh was black and blue from a stunt chase she had done two days before. She was like, no, it doesn't break the skin, but you get bruised. Because uh, I've done it so many yeah. times. I mean, the stunt men and women of Hollywood go... It's amazing. Oh, man. Unthanked. Uh -huh. It's incredible what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite stunt experience? Yes. Other than the dog? Yes, I have a few, to be honest. Running through what looked like Old Town, Mexico, um, from people who were cast as gang members who literally were gang members and they have, they oh, all have an agent that like represents. Gang of course members. they do. MS-13 reps a uh -huh. bunch. Yeah. Right. So there was that. <laughs> and it was like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then when I was on Veep, I was on the back of a, some kind of like Navy boat thing. And me and Tony Hale were holding on on the back and they were like, now when we take off, the boat's very powerful. So hold on to the pole really tight. And we were like, Got it. Okay. Gotcha. That thing yep. stood straight up in the air. I mean, absolutely vertical. My feet were dangling down to the water, and I was screaming bloody murder. Oh, my God, I love it! <laughs> <laughs> also, one of my favorite episodes of Veep for – for those out there. It was incredible. <laughs> hey, we have another question from one of our listeners. Shall we go to that? Yeah. Hi, Dana. My name is Tiana. I'm calling from New York City. Um, it's awesome to get to ask you a question. I was just watching Modern Family the other day and loved your performance on it. Um, so my question for you is, what is your advice for someone who is looking to break into acting for film and TV uh, and then specifically improv, and how do you approach the two differently uh, in terms of acting and performance? So thanks so much. So for me, the two go hand in hand, and that's the honest truth. I moved out here. I didn't know anyone in the business. There, I had no family already started. I didn't have any close friends that I could be like, hey, give me the info. I was just that kid that gets off the bus from the Midwest and thinks she's, you know, has a big dream. But I very quickly got into improv classes. And from that, I started meeting people who in the future would be producers and writers and create their own shows. I met Eric Stone Street. Like, I can connect my entire career to the opportunities or the people that I've met through improv and sketch comedy. I just was performing as much as I could. I happened to be good at it. And the cream does rise to the top. 
And I always tell people, if this is your dream and this is what you're supposed to be doing, don't ever think, but I don't know anybody. It's all about nepotism. I can't just move from, you know, knowing nothing. Yes, you can, because me and my husband both did it. We were literal nobodies in this industry, and we've both worked our way up to where we are today. Why do you think it is? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Why don't they ever, maybe in some schools they do, but I don't know. Why do they never talk about like that aspect? Get in, start doing the work and hang on because there is a phenomenon that is repeated through history. It start, I mean, it doesn't start, but I think always of that photo of the jazz legends Mm -hmm. on the stoop in Harlem when they were kids that all knew Mm -hmm. each other. That happens all the time. You get older, you make your way and everybody starts helping each other. But that's just, it's just, I didn't hear that. No, not at all. In fact, when I was in school, our theater department didn't even have a relationship with the communications department for film and stuff like that. So like there was a complete separation. It still didn't when we were there. It's pretty crazy to me considering what I do now. Yeah. Also, I don't want to talk bad about colleges because, I mean, I got my husband there, but uh, <laughs> is, that a good, is that a good plug for higher education? I went I went fishing and, and found we, my husband. And we, for disclosure, we all know each other because went we all sc- went to the same, same college. college yes. Well. But they always said, I remember a professor told me, if you have to do something for money, just do some commercials. Well, you get out here and you realize you don't just do some commercials. I mean, I like to think that I've been fairly lucky in working somewhat consistently. I can count on one hand how many commercials I've shot. That's not my bag. It ain't easy to get. No, it's a crapshoot. It's a full crapshoot. Absolutely. It's a numbers game and who you know and things like that. At least for me, I was never prepped to learn how to network, to learn how to collaborate, and to hit up anyone anyone else knows i think now they teach the students or try to tell them if there's alumni hit them up and 97 percent of them won't but that other three percent will and i've helped out a lot of kids but here's a topic for discussion that i think takes some of the blame off of universities in that regard and i've been talking about it this a lot in the last two weeks too is that i think there's something about the arts and theater and film and scarcity of yeah. jobs that stops people from that mentorship situation. And I, I personally have experienced, like I was saying the other day on Instagram, like building a mm-hmm. business, the business part of my life, not the arts part. I can't believe the people I never met who I was introduced to that don't, don't even have a university in common mm-hmm. between me who are like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'll like, what what can I do for you? Can I help? Let me, t- right. you know what I mean? Which I have found in my career in the arts has not happened nearly. Oh, yet. interesting. Yeah. I feel like in LA now I will say too, I surround m- myself with people who are like-minded and I think it does make a difference mm-hmm. who you build around you as your, your comfort zone and your safe house. And so I don't go to people mm-hmm. I don't know, but I've met a lot of people that know someone through the sketch community or whatever. And in LA, it's a town of favors. This person's going to help me shoot something because they get to put my face on their reel. You know what I mean? Like it's a Mm -hmm. town of favors and everyone wants to discover you. A -hmm. casting director doesn't care if you have an agent. They want the best person for the job because that's their neck on the line. They will see you whether you have the right agent or not, because then they get to say, I discovered that person. 
you know, mm-hmm. it sucks that you didn't have that experience. I would say keep trying because you'll find that pocket of people. I'm around a lot of people that we all feel very comfortable asking each other for favors. And we say, listen, if you can't mm-hmm. or you're too busy or you just don't want to, totally fine. Get, I get it. But, you know, let's see what we can trade these. Let's see how we can help each other out. That's the mm-hmm. key, right? Like you said, the business part of it to understand that it is not your right to demand right. something for right. for nothing from someone else, but to understand that symbiotic relationship and not, it's not personal. Exactly. It's, just the way mm-hmm. yeah. it's show business. Exactly. It's not show friends. <laughs> that old chestnut. Uh, listen, I'll bring it out of that. I'll bring it out of the old chestnut yes. case whenever I can. <laughs> chestnut case. It's a small bag. Oh, don't say that. Ew. It just got sad for you. <laughs> So you guys got you just you guys just really went to the gutter. You all went to the gutter. So speaking of improv, I never really did a lot of improv in my life, but I find that I do a lot of improv now in my performing, and and, and it's part of my skill set now. Um, what is the what's the program that kind of most influenced you? Was it the was it the Groundlings? Was it where where were you? Did where did you start? I started at IO West, which was Improv Olympic West, which unfortunately just closed down last year out here. Mm -hmm. That was my first introduction. I had never seen long form improv or anything. And it was mind blowing. And for me, that was a very familial community that I built there. So a lot of those people are definitely still in my life. And then I made a business decision (laughs) to go over to the groundlings. (laughs) And I started at level one. I was, people were like, you should try and test out of a level. And I was like, why, what do I care? I want to, I'm a sponge. I want to learn from the very beginning, the basic building blocks, because each theater has a different style. And so I did Sunday company for a year and a half. We were pitching five to eight things every Wednesday, rewriting them on Thursday, getting notes on Saturday, buying costumes and putting them up on Sunday. So we had to depend on each other. So these people, I've been to all their weddings, you know, I built a community there too. And what I'll say about the groundlings for me, they made me into a writer. I think I already was one, but they made me understand and believe that I was one. And so when I didn't make it into the main stage, neither did Sarah Baker. A lot of really amazing, constantly working people just didn't get in. And when I didn't get in, a friend of mine said, just remember this. They made us into weapons and released us on the world. And I take, I say that all the time. It's the truth. So I've performed at UCB. God. Um, it, the style there is not for me. I'm I'm a little um, I'm a little dumber than that. <laughs> <laughs> I like relationship and character, and they're definitely like highbrow reference and very abstract gameplay. And that's just kind of not how my brain works. But I I have a lot of friends there and enjoy right. my time there. But IO and the Groundlings really taught me what improv was first at IO. And then made me into a professional, I think, at the Groundlings. God, that is awesome. When you did that improv show with your improv friends a couple years ago, what was that? God Squad? Your old group of people. Was it God Squad? It was all the gals. And it was so fucking funny. I just nearly wet my pants. Oh, was it MILFs? Or it not MILFs. that theater Milks. on Santa Monica. Moms, I'd like to know. <laughs> just keep saying names. Keep, just keep making up names. And then acronyms for those names, please. Ride the pine? Ride the, riding yeah, the pine? Oh, the, oh, I know. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah, it was it was the gals that you auditioned oh, with. Oh, waiting room. Waiting room. Yeah, tell us about yeah. that because that was so fucking funny. So once you get to a certain level, you're seeing the same people over and over again because you're all a specific type. 
and we all become friends and it's kind of cool because we're like well if I didn't get it at least somebody I super know is way talented did you know so we're all very supportive of each other which I love and we put this group of women together we all see each other at the same auditions there were eight of us I think and called it waiting room and we just did an improvised show together once or twice a month we would do it so the the premise for this is strictly you guys in a waiting room at an audition Yes, we would ask the audience to tell us either a horrific story from an audition they had, because, you know, obviously in L.A., most of your audience, they're all actors. It's all actors. Or um, a, a type of waiting room that we could be in. Oh, my God. Speaking of, I think our next question fits in perfectly with this. I can't wait for you to answer it. Hi, this is Dana, and I have a question for the other Dana. Since in improv, you always say yes and, I'm wondering what you would say no but to. Oh, that's... B-U-T, not B-U-T-T. Don't make her make assumptions like that. Oh, sorry. I made a choice for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting because when I'm coaching and teaching, I say um, don't use the word but because that is a subversive way of saying no. So you're saying yes, but... So that's a no. But if you were saying no, but, is that a reverse yes? It's a double negative? (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Now, I also will say this. In improv, yes, there are loose rules. But I've also seen people who break every single rule and their improv is amazing. I've seen people say no when they shouldn't. And it, they were just brilliant. I think improv is one of those things where you're constantly learning, always growing. And sometimes you get to a point where you can kind of break the rules and it still works. Now, I don't know that I'm at that point, but I've seen people who are. <laughs> so what is a scenario in which you would be able to use the word no? I think when you set up a game where that is part of your game, like what if you had two characters, you know, a cu- <sighs> maybe it's a customer service situation and the, the customer wants something and the game is that the, you know, clerk just kind of says, nope, don't have that. Sorry, we ran out. You know, that could be a game and I could probably watch that all day. All like, fucking day. I'm watching that all day. you have a trash can? I can put my gum in? We don't. You know, why? Because we compact everything immediately. Like, you could just build this world of no. <laughs> right, And it right. would work, you know? Yeah. I feel like I'd really <laughs> like to see a, like, special one-night-only performance of TJ and <laughs> Where Dave. The, yes. The rule. A night of no. A night of no? I mean, that would be, a night be of no? fun to see a lot oh, of different nice. groups God, just do a yes. night of no. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Oh, it would be an like, awesome charity Let's flip improv. Evening. Fuck yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. put a bunch of really cool LA improv teams to get, if anyone's listening, yes. we're on yes. it. Yeah, anybody it's out there? Yeah. no. I would be there. Right. <laughs> calling in that favor. I'm calling in that favor, Powell. I'm sorry. Powell. Puel. 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 Yeah. Puel. <laughs> 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 uh, I get jobs. <laughs> My favorite thing about Dana is that she's like a balm for the like the idea that LA is like an awful place because every time you talk to Dana, she's tur- you've turned it into something beyond the rules of the place, which is exactly what we've been talking about this entire yeah, fucking yeah. conversation, right? Like make yes. friends with the people you audition for. Don't yeah. follow the rules or learn them and then make the decision. I don't know. I just think you do that so beautifully. Yeah. I think people told me when I moved out here, don't go there. LA will eat your soul. Um, it will if you let it. Mm. I've never let it. I just think that life is the experience you choose to have. Now, does that mean it's always going to be perfect? Oh, Lord, no. I've had a lot of horrible things happen. (laughs) (laughs) 
but is it all worth it? Oh yeah. For me, yeah. God, the perpetual optimist. Jesus. It's I don't know that refreshing. I feel about that way about everything in life, but I really do about LA and this business. I always say, right now, it's what I want to do forever. Someday that might change, but this is the path that I'm on to get to wherever I'm supposed to be. I would argue that it's not optimism. It's actually pragmatism because you cannot have all happy, right? If you're, if you make peace with the fact that like the, you're going to take the great stuff, love it so hard that you're bursting at the seams and you're going to expect the shit and give it a nice laugh, you know, four years afterwards when you're not hurt so bad. Like that's being pragmatic. That's actually how you live in peace. I think. I think so. This, this industry is not for the faint of heart. And I definitely always tell people that. It's definitely something that you you do it because you have to. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. If you have a B plan, take it. I mean, there have been times in my career where things just weren't going well. And I've been like, you know, I grew up pretty religious. And so some of that sticks with you, you know, and I would be like, I'm going to pray that God makes me hate this because I need out. I need out for my sanity. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but it just never happens. Not yet. Maybe someday it will. And I've watched it shape and and shift and form in different directions. I I say I have a tool belt that I'm constantly adding to. So one year it was writing. I taught myself to edit. Um, you know, there's all different. I, I pitched last year. I'm um, going to be shadowing directors for TV this year. I've been asked to do Yay. that. So I've yeah. watched it shift and grow and morph over the years. And I've loved every bit of it, but that doesn't mean it's hard. It's like a drug. The highs are so high. I don't even know how to explain it, but the lows are so low. You have to be real careful and keep yourself sane and keep yourself, um, have other things outside of just this profession, have hobbies, have a, have a normal life. Don't talk about it constantly. Learn to make jewelry, you know? Um, right. start a book club, something, or you'll go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Here's the coolest thing God. about that though, is that I, I think in my opinion, so I like, cause I'm like this, I'm a, I'm an evangelist, right. For the idea that there's not a big gap between entrepreneurs and artists. Oh, for sure. That we are actually so similar. And I was listening to, do you ever listen to how I built this? Every once in a while. That's a great one. Yeah. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to, I listened to the Sarah Blakely one with Spanx. Okay. And she was like, oh, I haven't when, listened to that. I'll have to listen. Oh, you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, when I yeah. thought up the idea, what was she doing? She was selling fax machines door to door, which tells you something about the timing, right? but like door to door sales. And then I was listening to the one with Howard Schultz with Starbucks and Howard Schultz was saying like when, when he was at the time he was trying to finance buying what was to become Starbucks, the coffee chain in, you know, Seattle that he was buying. He was also cold call sailing and guy, I think is the name of the host. He stopped and he was like, Howard, what's the deal? Cause I, you know, with Sarah and with you, you both have these similar stories of what you were doing. And he was like, Howard was like, Oh, it's absolutely comfortability with risk and failure and rejection. Absolutely. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. Right? Yeah. And I always say, if I say when I talk on alumni panels or I go to universities to teach or whatever, I always say the first thing I want to say to you is if you are not the star here, don't give up because I was never the star. Yeah. No one ever expected me to be where I am. I flew in under the radar. And what happened was, I think for me, um, I was rejected so much early on that it didn't hurt. 
So when I came out here, I was like, oh, no, that's just part of my job. That's just my job. But the but the kids, I say kids, but the people who moved out here who were the big fish in a little pond and were the stars of their department, when they don't make it in six months, they are pissed and they're out of here. I get told no all the time and I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> it just like doesn't phase me, you know? Yeah, I get it. I thrive on no, and we talk about it all the time on here. No is a no is the best yes I could ever get. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna learn something from that, and oh yeah, you know for sure. And then and then you're not sensitive because I really do believe a large percentage of this job is being told no and just being okay with that. Mm-hmm. Take it, take it from a champion right here, kids <laughs> and adults. Everybody who's listening to this, hopefully, octogenarians. <laughs> That must be a part of uh, also what you were talking about earlier with the young kids being scared to ask an older kid, mm-hmm. like an alumni or someone in a mentorship position for help or to meet them for coffee or whatever it is, is just don't be scared. Maybe they'll say no, but like, what the fuck is Who wrong cares? With that? You move it's on to the, the next the person. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's the same thing with... Also, I tell, um, so another girl from Missouri State who moved out here last year, her name's Kate Pennington, and she and I have become very good friends. And I was always telling her, ask people, ask people. And she will ask me everything from how do you know what you want to say yes to audition wise and what you don't want to, especially when you're starting out in your non-union, things like that too. I said, if you have an idea and you want to shoot it, find a way to do it. You know people. So she did. She found other people from MSU, Mm. shot something called the breakup bar and was like, would you want to be in it? And I was like, yep, sure. She just had the balls to ask me. And so Hoo-Ha-Ha, which is Elizabeth Banks's all-female digital outlet, picked up her short, and it was on the front page of Hoo-Ha-Ha. And she was like, I can't believe that happened. And I said, you know why it happened? Because I told you it could. You know, that you just have to ask. She would have never asked all those people. She wouldn't have asked me if I wasn't constantly going, just ask. If they say no, move on. I don't think she ever thought in a million years I was going to be in it. But she was like, would you? Would you? And I was like, yes. Yes. Why not? You, you know, the truth of the matter, and I hadn't really thought about this, and we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, is the original seed for this idea of a podcast, Take Me to Coffee, happened mm-hmm. because I was in New York, and my mentor, funny enough, from college, Michael Malden, was in town mm-hmm. doing a show at uh, City Center, yeah, and we went out to dinner at this amazing Italian restaurant that I love on Ninth Avenue with he and his husband, and our waiter was this cute, you know, young, handsome man, and... uh came to realize he overheard us talking about Cleveland, which is where Michael works. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm from Cleveland. And then he started talking to us and he was talking to us about this play that he was writing and just what he was doing, not bragging, just like cool, like talking to us about what he's doing. And Michael said, Oh, do you know what Jess does me? You know, this, here's this quick sketch. And he said, would, if I followed up with you, would you go have a coffee with me? This guy, my waiter, Mm -hmm. right? That I didn't know. And I got to thinking about like how I think people like us always want to help. That's the secret that that they don't understand. Just ask because we really do want to help. I want people to have it easier than I did. Why would I not? Yes. You know? Can I just share a story about a relationship like that? Yeah, absolutely. About six years ago, I was at a modern family Christmas party and um, there was a waiter 
who kept walking around with his plate of hors d'oeuvres and he was singing to the music and dancing and then he would bring the plate up like this and he was so silly and goofy that I stopped him and I was like, hey, how are you having so much fun at your job? And he goes, how could I not? Look where I am. And I said, I like your attitude. You're great. He goes, I liked you on Veep. And I was like, oh, So we started chatting. We exchanged face. He found me on Facebook, right? So we became friends. Then I ended up trying to get him in a commercial I wrote for Uber. So that happened there. And then he ended up starting like a pod with a couple of other guys. And last week, they just walked a script of mine into Mar Vista Productions and met with the head of development. And now we all have a meeting to pitch my movie for development now that's that's fucking yeah, awesome that guy was a waiter at a modern family christmas party but here's the key there it's to what you were saying earlier uh, be unrelentingly yourself mm-hmm. and find the other people who value that you can't right you can't manufacture no, you that can't. situation and be nice to everyone because who would have thought that waiter would have gotten my script into the head of development for Mar- Mar Vista? Right? How would I have ever known that six years right. ago? But I don't treat people yeah. less than, and nobody should. You should always think about because no. they aren't. No, because no, yeah, everybody has value, and you don't know, and where, not just for you, but in life, life. And you don't know where they're going to be, and that doesn't mean always do it because you're looking for a handout. It just means like people are special. Always treat them accordingly. Right. You don't know what somebody's going through in their thing or they're just starting out or whatever like you know you could be talking to the next ron Absolutely. howard or you could be you know whoever and don't it could be anybody you, when you do kind things you know when you send a handwritten thank you card to a new casting director they notice you mm. may never get that mm-hmm. verbal confirmation you might get it five years from then that's happened to me before right people notice when you're I mean, good when you're a good person they notice yeah that makes me remember that I wanted to ask you, I think it's related about your podcast, your new podcast that yes. you have going on, right? Because that like kind of celebrates those folks. Tell us about that. It really that. does. So I co-host with Jessica Young, another actress out here. It's called The Rants and Raves Podcast. So the first half of our podcast, we rant about things that people want to complain about. They write in things that annoy them or things that have happened to us. We rant it all out and then we take a cleansing breath and the second half of our show, we rave about charity organizations, hometown heroes, uh, good news stories, anything positive. So we say out with the bad and in with the good. And that's our podcast. So if anybody listening has anybody that is a hometown hero and a charity organization that they really love, hit us up. We will absolutely profile that on our show for sure. And how do they get a hold of you? Rants and Raves? Uh, you can email us at the Rants and Raves Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Rants and Raves Podcast. We have a website, the Rants and Raves Podcast.com. We're easy to find all over social media. Good, because you know we're going to ask you to do that later in a special segment we call Tell Us oh, All Your cool. Shit. <laughs> Did I ruin it? I just wanted to get it in there. I just wanted to get in there twice. No, I just wanted okay, to get it in there twice. I want people. I want. You, I want people to be inundated with it. What's a What's one surprising outcome or thing that you've experienced from from hosting the podcast? Uh, how many people I feel like I've become best friends with all over the world? That's what's shocking to me. Oh, that's and so cool. how much 
the just sharing, we always say we can't give money to everything. Like who can do that? Right. None of us are, at least I'm not rich. Um, but what we can do is spread the word. And that's happening to the point that awesome. something I profiled in the beginning of my show was called medical monkeys. And they're these little Velcro hand um, stuffed animals that people can put on their equipment at the hospital so they can take it with them. And it's not flowers and it just goes with them easily oh, cool. without having to haul it. And my mom is in the hospital currently and someone who listens to the podcast sent her a medical monkey. And oh, part no. of the Goodbye. So brilliant. part of <laughs> yeah, when you I'm, buy it, I'm... part of the money that you pay for it, you get to choose a charity that they give back a percentage of your purchase to any charity you choose. And so just, I just got tingles. And then it adds like some brightness to somebody's day and so many like, like smiles or a giggle. You know what I mean? It's just it's such a healing yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, so brilliant. God, and that made so me much. feel like, oh my God, somebody's hearing my voice and it might be making a difference somewhere. For sure. Yeah. That's the thing that I feel like I have this conversation a lot. I don't know. Do you have this conversation a lot, Dana? Actually, I don't know about you either, Andrew, but people will often, actors, people we know, come to me and say like, I'm having a meltdown about the political situation or whatever terrible thing is going on in the world. I'm thinking of quitting yeah. and going back to school for this. And I am re relentless is my word <laughs> of the day, but relentless in saying, do not fucking throw the baby out with the yeah. bathwater. You have in your hands a skill set that has the power to change minds or to affect change, to have distribution. And you, you will never be able to do in another career what you can do with your talents Absolutely. in this one. So don't underestimate Art it. and entertainment is so necessary, especially when things are bad, because it does affect change. And it sometimes can just bring a smile to someone's face, which might uh, slowly start changing their perspective. You know, uh, art is very important. That's why I get so mad when they talk about cutting funding for things and stuff, because it's um, how we grow. I think it's also an exercise in uh, how we interact with people, but also how we understand mm -hmm. different things or like someone has a different words for it. Like, you know, I mean, Edward Albee's got different words for, you know, things in Terrence McNally and like all these other great playwrights. And that's why we like cherish the words of August Wilson and Shakespeare. You know, it's like they, they are putting things into context that I can't right. verbally say, but they also change the minds of the communities and the people around them for good or for bad or whatever. And like you said, a smile can go so far to changing your attitude, but there's also something to be said for mm -hmm. perspective. And changing the way that you think because you see someone thinking differently that's right. like you yeah. or not like you and you understand them in a different way. And then that just flips everything. And to get people thinking is why we need to be Absolutely. doing what we do is to constantly be asking people mm -hmm. questions. Why you do this, what you're doing it for. And that's the responsibility that I believe we have as um, as performers. And that's why, again, I side with you on the cutting of funding and things like that. I go, it's such an integral Absolutely. part of our society that we overlook sometimes as like flippant mm -hmm. entertainment. Besides for the fact, though, and I'm on this because I've made 60,000 investment pitch decks recently, the arts brought in $760 billion yes. to the economy in the United States alone in 2016. So I don't give a fuck if you understand the value of storytelling. Like there are also oh, numbers, God, yeah. you know what I, I mean? It's been so long now, I can't remember the exact statistics, but when Sideways came out, it literally changed the entire wine market. Like financially. Wine industry yeah. Merlot, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's how oh, yeah. powerful art is. Mm-hmm.
there's actually a super, you should check it out, everybody. We could put it in the show notes. There's a super cool publication inside Medium. So Medium, right, is this online sort of, it's not really a blogging platform, but anyway, check it out, Medium. And they have themed publications. And one is called The Science of Storytelling. And it's a collection of articles that dive into the actual science of why storytelling does what Mm -hmm. you were talking about, Andrew. It is amazing and fascinating. What's it called again? Super check it out. The Science the science of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of medium. It's like inside medium. Yeah. I think art also teaches us. It's like you said, um, try seeing another perspective and things like that. It also teaches us compassion. And right now I think that's something we're Mm -hmm. kind of lacking right now. It's like, if something doesn't affect me, I don't care. Well, I think in art, we can Mm -hmm. learn that that's just doesn't work. That's leads to destruction, you know? And if you think about it, all art is about community. Yes. And that's kind of what I was going with is a change of perspective is also it's like an emotionality involved with that as well. Is that like empathy and sympathy and all these things that we feel and we don't know how to verbalize. You know, some people aren't taught those things. Like I come from a place where it's like, you know, right. it's don't cry. Don't do, you know, don't do, you know, do be, be a man, you know, things like that that have been said to me throughout my entire life. And I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm good with crying. Yeah. Like, that's great. My wife sometimes she's you know when we first got together I there, we had a lot of problems being like and not to go like down the rabbit hole in that one but we had a lot of problems because she's like you don't talk to me and I was like I don't know how to talk to you mm. and then being part of the theater community and seeing shows and like seeing vulnerability Absolutely. and being okay and and being able to be vulnerable it, it it like it informs my artistic career it informs my personal life it informs everything and I think everybody should see shows. They should experience mm-hmm. something uncomfortable so that they have the language and the emotional capacity to be Absolutely. able to express that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We're kind of going through, I think, like a little bit of a renaissance in theater and film. And I mean, sure, for TV too, of that modeling almost in the extreme. So like in music and in theater, right? You have Dear mm-hmm. Evan Hansen, you have these musicals that are celebrating men and boys who know how to express themselves. And then in movies, I'm thinking about um, Call mm-hmm. Me By Your Name and um, oh, I forgot the other one, and it's, uh, um, Seventh Grade, the 13 or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. Bo Burnham movie was eighth grade. eighth grade, eighth grade, right? Like eighth grade, yeah. It's kind of a neat time to be seeing that modeled through the mm-hmm. entertainment industry. Absolutely. There's a real raw honesty, too, coming through our entertainment now that maybe we haven't seen in the past. So I'm curious to see how that affects younger generations and how they deal with one another Mm. in combination with all this technology we have that keeps us very distant from one another. We'll see Mm. how that that measures out. I mean, you have a child. How has your experience been momming in this generation? Yeah, I think... um, Yeah, I think... uh, and mommy, mommy, it's it's hard because he would rather play video games than go outside and play. And, you know, teaching interpersonal skills, I think, is a difficult thing today for these kids. Whereas my parents were like, go outside and come back when the sun goes down. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But everything, right. no, exactly. everything about being a mom out here is different than anything I ever dreamed I would do or had experience with because I'm a Midwest girl. And so is my husband. He's from St. Louis. Our boy is a California boy. You know, he when he was three years old, he lost his pacifier on the set of Modern Family. He sees his mommy and his mommy's friends on TV all the time. And you're like, oh, look, there's so and so there's mommy. There's, you know, whoever. And you get this. 
the eye roll, you know. It's just normal life to him, right. which is crazy to me. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we've had a lot of very deep discussion, so let's round this up with a fun, easy okay. question. <laughs> what was it like to be in the sets of Bridesmaids? Everybody likes to ask me that question, and I love it when they do, because this is the honest-to-God truth. I had the time of my life. It was amazing. I never laughed so much. Paul Feig was really good about we would shoot for script and then he would just let everybody go wild. And when you're in a pack of women like that and you let them go, I oh, mean, yeah. it's constant laughter. Constant. It's gold. I mean, it there's so much so gold. Fun. There were things said and done that nobody will ever see. It just blew my mind. It was mind blowing. And we were on that. We were on the fuselage of a real plane. And so between takes, they put these huge yellow air vents in to blow in air. There were just so many funny things that happened. Like um, they were trying to decide what music they wanted at the end of the movie. I think Kristen brought it up and was like, I said, Wilson Phillips. And Paul was like, nobody knows Wilson Phillips songs. And then all of us on the plane started singing started the song. Started singing the song. <laughs> and then, and then you know, we know at the end of the movie, they're there, you know. Yeah, so right. So it felt so cool to be a part of that. And then, of course, I could just watch Melissa McCarthy. I've, I've known her All for day. years through the Groundlings. All day. I could yeah. literally just watch her by herself just say random things, probably for weeks on end. She is just one of the funniest humans alive. <laughs> How do you, I mean, now that you're moving into writing spots and looking at shadowing directing, like... Mm -hmm. How, how do you or how do you want to facilitate like those things that you've loved about being in those situations, like in your own work? I think that it's interesting because I've always been a performer and there was a part of me that was concerned that if I shifted or changed some of the things I wanted to pursue, that that would make me a failure or that I was giving up. So I've really been working mm. on understanding that's not the case and that I can still do all of it. That's something I tell people too. I say that about mm -hmm. having a relationship or a family and your career. You can have it all. You can. It's just a matter of working towards it and figuring it out, right? But don't ever let anybody tell you you can't have it all. So for me, ideally, I would love to still be creative and, and acting, but then getting into these other things and putting my own voice. You know, I have a very specific perspective on life. I was a pudgy kid my entire life growing up. That's probably what made me funny. You know, I'm from the Midwest. I'm a woman in comedy. I'm not the hottest girl that walks in a room, but when I leave, you're going to go, I'm going to remember that girl. I mean, how lucky am I? And I want the people I work with to know that their voice is important too, because an actor's director and an actor's writer, they are collaborative. And that's what I always want is collaboration because it will continuously make me better. God, yeah. Well said. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank, thank, thank you. So much, thank you. This conversation has gone from insane, insane to awesome to awesomer. Honestly, it's very indicative of my life. <laughs> and you're just doing you. Yeah, I'm just doing me. Sometimes doing Dana Puel is just a total train wreck, but we're all smiling and having fun. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm going down with a ship, and That's I right. fucking couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that violin. Where 
do we see pictures of your what's your cat's nickname again? Oh, Faffers. Faffers. Daphne. You can Faffers. Yeah. Faffers. Yes. Yeah, Daphne. So her name's Daphne. I also have Cutter, who's the most evil cat on earth. You can find pictures of all of them and my lizard and my dog on my Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Dana Powell's. So you can see uh, my farm. She's got a fucking menagerie at her house, guys. <laughs> yes. Friend, well, oh, actually, I will interrupt myself and say, speaking of that, I met Dana Powell helping her move out of her house in Springfield, where we went to college, at which time she had a flying squirrel? Yes, a sugar glider. I had her for 14 years. A sugar glider. Yes. She yes. went, she traveled across the country. I remember this infamous sugar glider. Yes. I never, we, I don't think we ever crossed paths in school, but no. I remember the sugar glider. Yeah, because I would, I'm sure people talked about it because I was the crazy oh, person yeah. that hid a small flying squirrel in her boobs during class. That's not a joke. She's not, she was nocturnal. So she would sleep inside a little bag inside my boobs. That oh my is. God unbelievably Dana Powell. It is. She went to school with me every day and she flew on planes before 9-11. Sorry, I brought it down. Okay, well, time for Dana to go. (laughs) Oh my God. Dana, what what do you have going on next? What can you tell our people about what, what you got going on? I just shot two episodes in the last season of The Good Place. So I'm coming back to that. I'm on the I'm on the high council. Um, so I've got two episodes uh, of that yes. coming out. Uh, I also just did a small film with the lead actress from I don't know if you guys um, know the Hulu show Light as a Feather. I think it's in its third season. But we shot a film together called The Hand That Bites. That'll be coming out hopefully in the fall. And then obviously my podcast, I'm madly in love with it. And I think we're going to be doing a live show in the fall. So if anybody's out here and wants to come, that would be awesome. So that's going to be in LA, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. In Santa Monica. Uh, It hasn't been announced yet. So I'm telling you guys secrets. Oh, teaser. Um, Secret teaser. Yeah, I'm not supposed to say yet. Um, Hopefully nobody from that place is listening right now. Um, Not because I don't want you to grow, but because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, (laughs) And then um, obviously it's the last season of Modern Family. And so let's all cross our fingers that I get to come back and say goodbye. Fingers crossed. I think everybody's crossing their fingers on the Patreon. Check us out. We're crossing fingers. Yeah. Y'all. Go to Instagram. Here's my request for you if you're listening. Go to Instagram. Follow Dana. What's your handle? At Dana Powell's with an S. At Dana Powell's with an S. Mm -hmm. Because Dana has like, what, 8,500 followers or something like that? Something like that. And fucking Instagram, they won't verify her and she needs to swipe up. And so we need to get her to 10,000 followers on Instagram. Let's do it, please. You guys are very For the last season of Modern Family. Yes. I want to put like (laughs) behind the scenes stuff on my jobs and things like that. You know, that things like you can click up and find tickets to show. I do a lot of improv around town. So I want that ability, but they just haven't given it. Damn you, IG. Damn you. We're going to get it for you. We're going to get it. This has been a pleasure, Dana. I've never had four other people in my bed with me. That's yeah. not true. Really that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Dana Powell. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced who will. <laughs> the thing is, I've had the, the pleasure of moderating a few panels that Dana's been on. 
I know that we are peers and contemporaries, but I think like I actually like really look up to her and I learn so much every time she talks and not just about like the business, but being an awesome fucking human being in the business. Yeah, she's A, inspiring as hell, B, super optimistic in a pragmatic way, and like, I, I think she's just a real human being. Yeah, and I think that Dana's a great person, actually, to make a little announcement about tm2cpodcast.com backslash ask a question. You can actually ask questions of our former guests, which is super cool. We'll keep taking the questions and we'll feature our favorite questions and the corresponding answers on our Instagram stories, which is at TM2C Podcast. So uh, Dana in particular, I feel like hopefully once people listen to this episode, they're going to think of a thousand questions they want to ask her in terms of mentorship yeah. and we'll get some of them answered on Instagram. And you know what? That is it for this episode of Take Me to Copy with Dana Powell. Now it's your turn. Numero uno. Check out our new episodes every Thursday on your favorite podcasting platform. Two, for special bonus content, including being able to see the actual bed all of us were on today together, Hot. join our coffee club over at Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash TM2C podcast. Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. They will not get to us, Angry Fist at Sky. Never. Thought the man. Thought the man. Thought the man. Three. Download these episodes and leave us a glistening or terrifying review. You know what? We'll take it all. Please don't. Don't do that. Just please don't do that. No. I'm Jess. I'm Andrew. <laughs> we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. To walk like two out the door, then you have magic.